Welcome to the Move Podcast, a young adult movement out of Bethel, Cleveland, where we focus on the move of God within our lives. I pray that you are awakened and inspired by the Lord and that He moves powerfully in and through your lives for such a time as this. All right, I'm going to read these quick bios, and can we, as the couples come up, let's give them a shout. Um, because we love them and we are excited. So I felt like the Lord gave me three different couples that are in three different stages. One couple is in the engagement stage and they are happily engaged and planning for an amazing, for an amazing wedding. I'm, MJ and I are blessed to be their uh, marriage mentors. I think uh, they mentor us more than we mentor them, but it's really fun hanging out with them. So the first couple is the one and only Allie and Luke, soon to be Danner. I'm their DJ at their wedding too, so I'm just getting my voice ready. <laughs> I'm officiating, I'm a groomsman, I'm officiating, and I'm a DJ. So <laughs> I don't know, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> Luke and Allie met at a church service in November of 2020. When, they, when the two of them met, Luke felt a confirmation from the Lord that exact night that Allie was the one he was going to marry. The pursuit, the pursuit began there. The pursuit began a few weeks later on their first date to a coffee shop where they spent six hours in conversation. They began dating in late December and it became even more clear to both Luke and Allie early on their relationship that this was it. This was God ordained with marriage in sight for these two. They were excited to take the next step on March, 2021. Luke got on one knee and proposed to Allie and Allie and Luke are excitingly anticipating their wedding day this coming May. But more than that, the, the marriage the Lord's giving them full of full of starting a family adventure and the pursuit of Jesus. Man, we love them. They're awesome. Allie and Luke. Uh, yeah. All right, our next amazing couple. They, they, this couple is kind of, they're not newlyweds, but they've been married less than five years. So I thought it'd be cool to have a couple that just kind of graduated the season of dating that are going into marriage. And this couple who have been married for about four years, I believe, um, but they've learned a lot. And I know they have a lot of wisdom to share. So let's give it up for the one and only Josh and Stacey Vandergriff. Woo, woo, woo. If you haven't met the Vandergrafts, you're in for one treat. Um, Josh and Stacy met, and MJ wrote this. She's an amazing writer. <laughs> I'm reading it wrong. <laughs> Here's the Vandergraft story. Josh and Stacy met and started dating. Drop that. Um, <laughs> you like that, Jack? Um, they started dating in the spring of 2017 after being up on a after being set up on a blind double date by mutual friends at Bethel. See, come to church, and you never know what's going to happen, <laughs> right, Steve? Um, hey. <laughs> um, sh shortly into dating, Stacy. <laughs> he's, he's my high school friend. I can say that. I don't even know if he's here anymore. Um, uh, <laughs> Stacy knew Josh was going to be her husband, but it took Josh a few months of dating before he knew she was the one. 
After only seven months of dating, Josh proposed to Stacy at a sunset at Mapleside Farms in Brunswick, Ohio. And of course she said yes. On July 1st, AKA my birthday, uh, Josh and Stacy said, I do at some vineyard in Canton that I <laughs> can't say the name, Gervasi. Um, and four, four years later, they grow more in love with each other each day. They believe that love is not just a feeling, but a choice. No matter the circumstances, they try to choose each other, continually trusting that the Lord works in all things together for, for their good and the others um, that has their best interest in mind. Josh and Stacy live in Richfield, Ohio with their two cats, Leela and Maestro. They love to laugh, play games, and go on adventures together, as well spend quiet moments together with the Lord. And yes, they call each other Kitty Mama and Kitty Daddy. <laughs> Stacy is blushing. <laughs> All right, we are so excited. Last but not least, we call this couple the couple of wisdom. Um, they are a couple who have been married a long time. Um, they have four grown children who are adults, and they are both such people of wisdom who I'm so honored to serve with at the Middleburg Heights campus. They are not young adults, but man, they have so much to share to us. So we are so excited to welcome up the one and only Tim and Rakia Washington. Full of wisdom, truth, and wholehearted devotion. Um, Tim and Rakia are members at Bethel Cleveland's Middleburg Heights campus. They met while serving in the United States Army at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Tim and Rakia have been married for over 27 years. They have four adult children and two grandchildren. Tim and Rakia intentionally seek after the presence and the will of God, desiring only to fulfill that to, to fulfill all that he has uh, purpose and destined for them to accomplish by his grace. Amen. Let's give it up for our couples. I, fe I feel like this is like a game show or something, you know? Do we have prizes, Daniel? You know? Awesome. Yeah, it feels so official. We got everyone waters. Cool. So if you guys didn't know, we're kind of doing this, I know, because it's the month of February, it's the month of love or whatever, but we, we really want to hear about godly wisdom for what godly dating and godly marriage looks like. So we might have some time after uh, for some Q&A, um, but I have a bunch of questions that I've collected uh, from different people. And so we're going to just kind of, you know, there's no um, wrong answer. I guess the wrong answer is a fake answer. So uh, we believe there's going to be truth shared, wisdom from experience. Um, it doesn't mean that we're going to agree with everything they say, but they're sharing what God has taught them and what they've learned from their story. Amen. Amen. So I'm, I know I'm excited. MJ, you taking notes for us so we can, uh, you know, grow in our marriage. Awesome. <laughs> so um, they all have mics. Um, but Tim and Rakia, I guess I'll start with you. I want to start with you and end with you guys. You know, we talk about true love and we know that love only, we only love because God loved us. But in the context of marriage, dating, being engaged, what is true love to you guys and how would you define it? And there's a microphone right by you. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. There you go. Love. Uh, I would say it this way. Um, 
Love is a commitment to another person, um, an unconditional commitment to them, similar to what Jesus did for us. So that's how I see love. Sometimes people mix up love with a crush or um, infatuation about someone. But true love sees a person, kind of connects like Luke did with Ali, and said, that's the one for me. And then you make a commitment to that person. Um, commitment is, is really the true manifestation of what love is. And that's what it takes to last a long time, not just being married and, and being in prison with one another in a home, but really flourishing and enjoying one another. And, um, and it just gets better and better and better. Kia, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I just um, think that uh, true love, it will manifest um, God's love. And it'll be patient and it'll be kind. Um, it won't be self-seeking. You know, it's putting others first. Um, you know, forgiving. Uh, Just, uh, just demonstrating the Lord. I think that's true love. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a quote that says, uh, "If you want to find out you're selfish, get married, and if you yeah. want to find out you're really selfish, have kids." Um, so uh, I know I have uh, definitely learned that in my marriage a little bit. Um, Stacy and Josh, what does love look like for you guys in your marriage? Is, it, is there anything practical that you can think about that you guys do to show each other love? Um, because, you know, five love languages, right? Like we can receive and give love in different ways. So how have you guys learned in your five years of marriage to really love each other the way the other, per, it, the, the, way the other person wants to receive it? Yeah. Sorry, it's cord. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I think it was really important to me um, and to Josh at the beginning to kind of find out, like, what is your love language? Which it can be kind of cliche, right? Um, but it's so true because sometimes, like, the way I receive love is not the way that Josh receives love. So if I keep trying to give him words of affirmation but it doesn't really love him well and I'm like, why doesn't he feel loved? I feel loved by that. Um, that's not going to work, right? So Josh is, like, for instance, like in our marriage – Josh is really big on quality time. And so I had to learn that that meant like, if I'm spending time with him, I need to put my phone down, no matter how many people need me, unless it is a true emergency. <laughs> there are other people too. People, you know, we live in a world of like, Note I need, taken, Josh. <laughs> I need you to answer all the time. And I had to learn like every time, it's, it's like a choice I have to make where either I'm choosing the person on my phone who, who needs me, or I'm choosing Josh. And there are sometimes it's hard, and I have to be like, okay, do not disturb. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, I feel like that's kind of, I don't know. Josh, what do you think? I think throughout our marriage, we could always just try to find ways to choose each other, no matter what we felt in the moment. Um, trying to think of a good example. I'll just, I'll just use yesterday for an example. We kind of have, it's a bit of a tangent, but just bear with me. Like we kind of have a, like a rhythm where like, you know, like Stacy will cook dinner, then I'll do the dishes and so on and so forth. But, you know, like last night because of the snowstorm, 
was just basically, I, you know, I had to go out and shovel snow pretty much as soon as I got home. So I went out and started shoveling snow as soon as I got home. And then again before night, and then when I was out shoveling snow, it took me like an hour and a half. And then I, you know, I was like, okay, I have to, now I have to come inside and do the dishes. But then when I came home, like when I came inside, like, you know, Stacy already finished the dishes. That was all taken care of. And then because of that, we were able to spend just some quality time together before we went to bed. And it, like, it may sound simple, but it's like the little things that, like that, that and choosing each other in those moments that really sustain your marriage and really help it grow over time. I think, I think at the end of the day, it's like, it's a choice. Like, love is a choice. And every, like, no matter what I'm feeling, like, there are some days, like, I feel so in love with him. Like, he's so handsome. Look at him. Like, wow. And then there are other days that I'm like, man, he's really getting on my nerves. Like, why is he doing that? But even in those moments, like, no matter how hard it is, I'm still choosing him. And, that, and even, when I, even when I don't want to, and I have to ask myself, like, every time I'm like, is this choosing Josh or is this choosing me? Yeah. And it's like always making a choice, no matter how we feel. That's good. That's good. Cool. Well, Allie and Luke. So I want to talk a little bit about dating because I know you guys are in the, you know, engagement stage, but you just came out of the dating stage. What did you learn? I'd love to hear from both of you on this. We're what still dating. You're still dating. <laughs> Technically, you are. Um, what did you learn in your season of singleness that you think was so important that helped prepare you for now being engaged? Luke says I'm going first, so I'm going first. Um, so before I met Luke, I only dated one person. Um, I dated this person when I was in college not for a very long time. Um, so the majority of my life I've been single. Um, and a lot of my life I saw other people get engaged. I saw other people fall in love. I saw like all my best friends. I lived with four girls. All of them got engaged and like were in intense, like very deep relationships with people. Um, and then it was just me. And so I hated being single for a lot of my life. I felt like I was chosen last. I felt like my worth was diminished in a lot of ways because I wasn't being chosen by a man. Um, but the Lord really met me in that. Um, and before I met Luke, I had, the Lord had to do something in my heart. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that I was single. I wish, I wish that I, you know, I wouldn't say I was, I wish I was single cause I not, I don't, but, um, <laughs> by any means do I wish that I was single. Um, but I see a lot of people like blow past their singleness phase of like wishing and wishing and wishing it away. Um, yeah, and it's it's such a gift, right? It's such a gift that I, I get to wake up and just be with Jesus. Like there's so much time that's invested in a relationship, so much time um, meeting Luke where he is, um, working through things, preparing for marriage, planning and, you know, good things, things that we love. Um, but when you're single, you just get to be with Jesus. Like you're not worried about another person. You're not, you're not in the phase of sacrificing for another person. You're not looking forward of like, how many kids do you want? And where do you want to live? And what do you want to do for a career? Um, yeah. And so the Lord showed me that singleness was a gift in a way that like, I guess we don't see it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I went through that phase. I don't know what else to say about that. Um, yeah, it, and I'm, I'm glad that the Lord taught me that before I met Luke because now I look at it of like, now I get to be with Jesus um, 
and spend time with him and love on the Lord and then bring Luke into that. Um, and I'm not looking for those things in a relationship. Like I'm not, um, I'm not seeking everything that I need from Luke. And I know when I get to a place like that, that I need to go be with Jesus. Um, but it prepared me, right? Cause we think of relationships as this thing of like, when I get, to, when I get that person or when I, when I get married and you know, we're, we're going to love each other and all these things. And it's like, in a relationship, you need Jesus more, I feel like, way more. Amen. Um, not, you know, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, it, it prepares you of like, um, yeah, this is, this is what matters. This is, this is who I, my heart longs to be with. I get to see traits of Jesus through Luke, but Luke is not Jesus. Luke's not my savior. Um, I get to see a picture of who Jesus is through the way that Luke acts, but I get to be with Jesus. And when my heart flipped in that way, um, and the only person I desired to be with was the Lord, and I wasn't seeking a relationship or getting on dating apps or like every time I walked by somebody on campus, like, is that the person? Like I wasn't looking, I was seeking Jesus. I wasn't seeking a relationship. Um, that's when I felt like the Lord actually prepared me for a relationship when I no longer desired it, but what I desired was to be with him. That's so good. Isn't it funny how when you need something so much, yet it doesn't happen, but kind of when you let go of it and you realize like, okay, I'm good. Like then it falls into your lap because now God's like, okay, now I can trust you with it yeah. because the gift won't become more important than the giver of the gift. Right. Um, we can hold it with open hands instead of like make it our identity, mm -hmm. you know? So Luke, I, I know your story a little bit and feel free <laughs> if you want to share a little bit of that, but you have a pretty opposite story than Allie. And what did you learn? Um, <laughs> well, but I think you, learn, you, you learned a lot through, through that, through your experiences to help you be the man that you are today now. And uh, God's changed you a lot. And so uh, you had a lot of tests that are now testimonies. And so how did those experiences uh, prepare you to be the man that you are now? And how did you know you were ready to step into this relationship with Allie? Because according to your, you know, the, your bio, bi biography or whatever, description, uh, you, you weren't looking to date. Like you knew Allie was the one you were gonna spend the rest of your life with. So I'd love to tell us what you learned and also hit on how did you know Allie was the one you were going to spend the rest of your life with really before you even knew her? Yeah. Okay. It's a loaded question. So, that's like, like three loaded questions. It is. And it'll be good. Um, you know, I got nervous to get up here about like 30 seconds before we were coming and I wasn't nervous at all, but during worship, I just, man, I just felt like the Lord just asked me to just be so vulnerable with you guys. And, um, you know, it's just an honor to be vulnerable for you guys because yeah. I just want to serve you guys in that way. And, and uh, so, you know, some people might look at me different, um, but it's not about that. Um, nothing but love. Uh, so man, I'm going to try to hit on every single point. I'm going to try. If we um, come back, just repeat it. <laughs> about two years before I met Allie, um, I was saved. I got saved when I was 21, like Ryan, out of addictions and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, um, you know, I was on an acid trip when I, like, found out God was real. And um, just crazy. I encountered this girl who was possessed with, like, demonic things on an acid trip, which is insane. It's really crazy. And, um, and I got run over by a truck when I was 19 years old. Truck ran my head over. And so when I got saved, it was kind of like... 
I just, my identity was so bad because, and, and the fact that God saved me, I was just like, God, I'll do anything you want me to. And I just decided to go after the Lord. I, I like dated when I first got saved and it was a terrible relationship. It was like demonic relationship. So I got out of that really quick. And um, I felt like it was just a test though, um, just to see where I was at. And, and uh, so anyways, about two years ago, I, uh, and I was, I was going after the Lord and, and I feel like in, when you go after the Lord, he wants to heal your heart. And this is where I'm going to be vulnerable. Um, I struggled so bad with rejection. Like talking to girls would, would have been very hard for me. Um, not just like as friends, but like actually pursuing a girl that I don't know, like she hasn't affirmed that she wants to be with me. It would have been very hard. And yeah, about two years ago, I, I kind of like had a crush on somebody and I like talked to her and it was just didn't go well. And I literally, oh my gosh, I spiraled out of control um, to the point I was in ministry school and I was going, started going out after work with friends at work and drinking. And eventually here I am at this guy's apartment stoned after being saved and after being delivered from that. And I just, I'm on the ground and I'm stoned and I'm drunk and, and I, I'm telling you the love of God came into that room and this is the process that I wanted to let you in on that None of you are rejected. God is not going to reject you. And he loves you so much, even when you're running away. And I'm telling you, the love of God is so good. And um, I don't know where else I'm going. It's all right, man. It's um, beautiful. <laughs> he healed your heart. He, he filled you heart. with love. Filled me with love. And I had had crazy encounters with the love of God before that. But he wanted to heal my heart. And I think there's, there's a process of when you know, because I knew I was loved by God, but the love of God goes even further. Mike Bickle says, all of God's judgments are rooted in love. So I think God brought me to that place so he could pour his love on me and show me that no matter what I do, he loves me, wow. you know? And, you had to know that you were loved from God before you are ready to give love to another person. For sure. For sure. And um, 1 Corinthians 6 says that a wife is a gift from God, but it says don't seek for it. Wow. So don't look for your husband or your wife. Just go after the Lord with everything you have. Yeah. And when I knew, when I met Allie, man. <laughs> so shout out to Rachel Todd. Because. Yeah, Rach. Because I started doing, like, this Youth for Christ ministry with kids, and I was just telling Rachel about it. We were catching up at uh, Akron. And she's like, have you met Allie? She does Young Life. Like, it's another similar thing. And I'm like, well, she, can she get me a job? Like, you know, that's literally what I was trying to do. And, uh, yeah. And uh, we went to Applebee's, and I'm telling you, like, on the way to Applebee's, I was sitting behind her. She was in the front seat. And we were just talking, and uh, and she, like, she put her hand back like this to high five me, and I went like this, and I'm telling you, like that connection, a physical touch. I knew I was like shocked. I was so shocked that night that I met my wife. And I'll leave it at that. You, if you don't know, like, 
like, all right, I'll just save some more for later. Cause <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Leave them on the, on the cliff. Um, Can we get some more waters? <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Rikia, I would love to um, thank you for being so vulnerable, Luke, and sharing. Um, you know, I think I call it the Disney complex. You know, we grow up watching these Disney movies, right, where there's the one right? When I find the one, it will complete me, right? Jerry Maguire, right? You complete me. That's a movie for anyone. I feel really old right now if you don't know that movie. Um, But, you know, I grew up that way. I grew up thinking, um, I remember my mom told me, Ryan, you can't love someone until you truly love yourself. Um, And you can't make anyone love you. You can only let yourself be loved, that I was looking for the one, and I thought I wasn't complete or couldn't find true happiness until I found this one. Um, Do you believe that there's a one for someone? Um, Or do you believe that God can use, um, you know, different types of people to complete you that, you know, to bring into your life to help you to be the man or the woman um, that God created us to be. Because I think a lot of people have questions on this. Is there a one? And what if I miss that one? I know when I dated girls, I always had anxiety of like, well, my mom and dad were never married. So I would, oh, well, what if they're not the one and I get it wrong and I mess up the trajectory of my life? Um, and there's a lot of fear in that. And a lot of people are looking for this perfect person. But at least in my case, I learned there is no perfect person. There's only one perfect person and that's Jesus. So would you share a little bit about the myth of the one? (laughs) Hey, I'm trying to share the mic. Okay, the myth of the one. I I, I think this here. I think that if, if a person is following after God, they'll, they'll find the, the person that God intended for them to actually uh, be with uh, in partnership to do exploits for the kingdom. Um, I think sometimes uh, we can get ahead of that and we go through some hardship, you know, end up getting divorced or something like that, right, because we went ahead of God. Um, but, but I do believe that what they experienced which is something I didn't experience um, early on, was running after God like that. I think that when you're, when you're bent to do it that way, you're going you're gonna to find the person that God ordained for you to walk through this life with. I, I do believe that God strategically puts us together for the benefit of the kingdom. I mean, if me and Rakir was not together, we couldn't be sitting here sharing, Right. Um, so I, I do believe that there is uh, what I would consider a perfect will. But I do also believe that we miss it sometime. And even in that, God can work it out for our good. Um, but I clearly know that she was the one for me, period. And I know that through living life with her. I know that through not having her in my life before, um, God is cultivating in both of us Christ, all right? We get that. We understand that. But he has called her alongside with me to be a partner, and that's beautiful, and I would leave it there. I believe that there's a perfect person out there for us in the sense of not your word perfect, but in the sense of God's perfect will, mm-hmm. um, not a perfect person. Yeah, and I think the problem is we end up looking for that person, 
instead of looking for the giver who can give us that person. Um, yeah, yeah. Where's that quote? I'm going to probably mess this up, MJ, but I loved it. Um, I remember reading it all the time when I was single. Um, find someone that has to seek God to find you. Um, so, like, instead of, oh, where's the one? Where is she? Well, seek God, run after God, and you're running after him. And before you know it, you might look next to you and someone's running the same pace, the same direction. Because sometimes we can find people, but they're running a lot slower than us. Or they're running a lot faster than us. Like, seriously, I mean, Josh and I have ran half half marathons. He's ran a marathon. And you want to train with someone similar to your own speed. Because if you train with someone faster, you're, you're going to be left alone. And if you train with someone slower, they're going to really slow you down. And so how do we look for someone that is running after Christ the same way we are? And that's focusing our eyes on him. Can I, can I add to that? Yeah. I, I, I would just simply say this here. We trust God to lay hands on the sick and they get healed. We got to trust that same God that we can be led by his Holy Spirit, that he'll bring us to the one that he intended us to make union with and become one. We just have to do that. We just have to trust God. And um, when we do that, it's a blissful place because when you find the person that God had ordained, I'm going to tell you something. I tell my wife this all the time. I hope you don't get embarrassed. (laughs) I I, I say this to my wife all the time, just sitting at the table. Sweetheart, baby, baby, You're so easy to love. You know why? Because of God on her, the anointing on her for me. And it's just wonderful. It's blissful. Um, And I'm not fudging. It's blissful. That's awesome. So so we got a a lot of single people in the house, and that's awesome. Um, So Stacy and Josh, all of you guys have talked about there was a moment that you knew. and I just feel like I can hear in people's thoughts, okay, it's great that you found the one, good for you, but I'm single, and how do I do that? How do I know? And what happens when one of you think you knew, but the other person you were dating called it off, broke it off, cheated on you, broke it off, and you were like, no, God told me this was the one. Why didn't it work out? That's so hard. Um, so back before I met Josh, back when I was in college, I had a boyfriend who actually introduced me to things of Holy Spirit, and I thought for sure he was the one, um, but he wasn't. He wasn't no kitty daddy. (laughs) He was no kitty daddy. (laughs) Um, and I remember I was heartbroken. I was like, Lord, you, I thought you brought this guy into my life, but I realized that he, in fact, it was through him that, that God brought me to Bethel. And I would have never met Josh if I wouldn't have gone through that. But in the moment, it's really hard because I felt rejection. I thought for sure I knew. And it actually kind of going off of what Ali and Luke and um, what Tim and Rakia were talking about, when I... Couple, a couple of weeks before I met Josh, didn't include this in the bio because it's been a very long story, but I was in second year BSSM and I got to a point where I was like, Jesus, like, I literally want you. I am like willing to put marriage on hold. And I had been praying for my husband for 10 years, you guys. I had specific 
specific things. I had things written out from the New Testament of godly characteristics of men. And every day I would pray these over my husband. And I was like, I don't know where he is, but Lord, you do. And it got to the point where I was like, God, how many times do I have to keep praying these? And finally he said, will you just leave it to me? And two weeks before I met Josh, after I had like been through probably six months of like, I'm good, Jesus. I just want to be with you. He said, your husband is near. And it was so clearly. And I was like, no. And on the way to finding out about Josh, because it was at BSM, I found out my, the Lord gave me this clear vision of, of um, my husband living in a home in Brunswick. And I was like, what? <laughs> Whatever. I got to school and my friend was like, so there's this guy I want to set you up with. He owns his own home here in Brunswick and he works at a steel mill. And I was like, Can you talk about, I was the after. Oh, well, that's a long story. We could talk about that later. I love it. It's so true. We could be here for a really long time. But also, she was set me up with her, her daughter who loved refugees, and I worked with refugees. Anyway, not, not, the, not the point of the story. So, but I knew, I knew in my heart, I was like, I felt like God was like, this is him. So fast forward, we're dating, and I was like, Lord, do I tell him? Because I didn't told, I had not told Josh at this point. And God said, like, hold on. And because... The, on, the truth was, like, and Josh and I found out that if I would have shared that right away, Josh would have gotten really weirded out, and he would have stopped dating me. <laughs> and I so badly wanted to tell him, because I was like, I think you're the one. The Lord did this, you know, and, but God said no. And so we waited, and it took Josh some time, and I patiently waited until we started having those conversations. But, um, anyway. So my story is the exact opposite uh, because, you know, I prayed all those prayers of a contentment. I had that place like shortly after college. It's just like, Jesus, I just want to be with you. I'm perfectly content with you. And if I never, you know, get a spouse, like I'm willing to wait, you know, like I'll just love you so much that, you know, I'm okay with this. Uh, fast forward five years and I pretty much lost all that contentment because I'd seen all my friends from college grow up and get married, start having kids. And I'd seen all my initial friends at Bethel get married and start having kids. And so I started to get really, really angry with God and really mad at him, basically saying, well, wait a minute, like, why am I doing all these works for you? And like, the one thing I truly care about, like, you're just like waiting on, you're not even doing anything. Um, and there were a couple of moments there where I honestly thought about just walking away from the faith, like, altogether. And because I was just like so mad, I was so fed up. Um, but I just, I stuck with it because at the end of the day, like, you know, Jesus has the words of eternal life, like, where else could I go? So I just eventually stuck with it. Um, and then, I'm trying to remember where we went from here. But, yeah, we'll just, um, and, yeah, I'll talk about the blind date later just to keep it. Oh, yeah, I had, a, I had a corporate prophetic word that my spouse was near, but that was like two years before I actually met you. So I thought that was a false prophet, actually. <laughs> so, so just to get practical, yeah. how, how, what kind of advice could we give to people who one, maybe don't know how to hear God's voice, but two, is looking, they want to be married, they want to find that person. How, how do you know? So it's hard for me to come up here and say, like, how do you know without hearing God's voice? Because that's the only way I did know. I had spent years, like, trying to, on my own power, like, I, I mean, I was definitely attracted to a couple girls, and I tried to, like, date them, try to pursue them. And I could tell, like, in the spirit that it was just off and was never going to work. And I dealt with that tension for years and, you know, years and years and years. And when I met Stacy, like, the tension was just gone immediately. 
And so that's how I knew like she was worth pursuing because I got so familiar pretty much like just running into a spirit wall that when the spirit wall was gone, it's just like, okay, like I can finally give everything I have to her. But still, even though I knew conceptually that like the wall and the spirit was gone, it still took me several, several months until my heart was ready to be like, yeah, like this is the woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. So there's no, that's the thing. There's no one answer. I feel like it's a lot of it's, you you know, you have to be in tune with Holy Spirit. You have to be walking with Holy Spirit if you want to leave this life. You know, otherwise you're on your own. Can I just add real quick? I, I think the peace of God is, is, is the governor. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. want practicality. The peace of God will, will cover you when you're dating. Yeah. Um, and, and then you got to have the ability to let people that you trust speak into your life. All right? Take that person around, you know, that individual to see if, if they're seeing what you're seeing and, and, and the, the peace is there also. But let the peace of God be your governor. Yeah. Um, and that's what I would tell you if you want practicality. Yeah. You know, be practical that's literally what it. I was sensing to the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I remember um, there was a, and MJ knows this, so <laughs> it's not new news, but there was a, a lady I was talking to that lives in Cincinnati, and she was just gorgeous. But every time I was around her, I just never had a peace. I just, I just couldn't shake this piece, and I don't know what it was, and then I found out all this stuff later. And so some people would say, well, that's your gut or your conscious, but we believe that's Jesus. If you have Jesus and you listen to that small, still voice, if you don't feel a peace, sometimes our soul and our spirit recognizes things that our minds can't comprehend. Allie, um, Allie and Luke, what are some practical things you would, you would share to anyone out there that's single? Um, that wants to be married, wants to find a one, but hasn't yet? Rock, papers, oh, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> um, when I was talking earlier, I was just honestly like reminded of a time where I was around just like a bunch of Christians and people were talking about like, oh, someday like I want to I want to be married and I want, you know, four kids and I want all these things. And I remember this like woman that was kind of leading this ministry time said like, well, you know that like marriage isn't promised to everybody. Like there's people that will be married and there's people that are going to be single. And I remember feeling like being in that room and feeling like, am I destined to be single? Like, am I, is it like God's calling on my life to be single? But it like went against, um... I went against like everything that I was feeling of like wanting to be with somebody, wanting to have kids someday, like wanting to like see my, see my family, like embrace whoever, you know, I was going to be with and grow a family. And I have, I have a sister and a couple stepbrothers, but I have a very small immediate family. And just the thought of like having a big family, which I get with the Danners, praise God. (laughs) Um, But, um, but it was just something that like my heart desired. And I just felt like, well, if God is a God who like cares about the desires of my heart, why would like, why would I be destined to be single? Um, and I just like, I just remember that time. And I remember so many girls in that room feeling like, oh, well, I can't, I'm not allowed to like want to be married because it's not promised to me. I can't put all my hopes into this or like even just like pray towards it or like ask the Lord um, because it's not promised. And so I guess to the people who are sitting in this room feeling like, is there somewhere out there? Is, so, is there somebody out there who I'm going to marry? Like I have the des- desire to be a mother or I have this desire to be a father. Or I have the desire to be a wife or a husband. 
um, and feeling almost guilty for it. Like it hasn't happened and maybe it'll never happen. Like, I just want you to know that like God cares about those desires. Like God saw me and was like, Allie, like I see your desire to be a mother. And it didn't happen the next day or the next month. It was like a few years later that I met Luke. Um, but God, God cared in that moment. And he looked at me and with, you know, with compassion and, um, yeah, just don't knock those things, like those desires the Lord's put in your heart. Like they're such, they're for a reason. Like it's not like on accident that I desired to be a wife. It wasn't an accident that I desired to be a mother someday. Um, but yeah, I just like, I remember being in a time of ministry and someone saying that. And so I just want to almost like rebuke that lie or like take that lie away that like, if you have the desire for these things, like continue to pray and con- continue to seek God in those things and don't, don't shame yourself for feeling that way because that hasn't happened yet. That's good, Allie. Praise God. Praise God. Um, (laughs) For me, I'm going to try to answer a question. I don't even remember the question, but. (laughs) (laughs) What practical advice would you give to anyone single out there to like help them be able to know when they find the right person? I think there's one practical way to go about it and it's seeking God first before everything, not seeking God to get married, seeking him for him. And even if you, you know, God can use our bad motives, you know, like when we're seeking him to get married, but he'll meet us there and we'll actually become ready for marriage in those moments. Um, About a year ago, no, this was like probably a year and a half ago. During BSS, when was I in first year BSSM tab? Two years ago. Um, <laughs> I was just, I was up at the altar. And this is what, this is my other practical thing is communion with, with God and talking to him and hearing from him and talking to him and hearing from him over and over again for the rest of your life. I was sitting up there and just in worship and, and, and I would just, the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, would you lay down the call to ministry and to whatever you, whatever I've showed you? Would you lay all that down to raise a family? And I sat there for maybe twenty seconds because I don't want to give God a bogus answer. I don't want to say something because he's if he's asking me, there's a reason for him. I don't want to say yes and not mean it. And then, you know, I'm like, you know, and I said yes, and I really meant it, and I laid down everything right there, and then. Within a few weeks, I'm at the altar again, and he said, son, would you lay down a family to do what I've called you to do? And I had to sit there again and really think about it because he's asking me. He's not, he's not demanding me. He's really asking me, you know, what do I want to do? And I said, yes. And I feel like, you know, like Abraham and Isaac, you have to be willing to lay down the marriage and the kids, you know? And God... Allie was hitting on it. God cares. Like, God cares even when we don't get what we want. You know? Yeah, that's good. Could I, I um, add something to yeah, that? Yeah, yes, please. Please. I was like, the Lord? Where is that? <laughs> I was like. Um, I just wanted to say um, that God, God loves all of y'all, and he knows your heart. Um, I think about when I met Tim, um, he was the first person that I saw when I came to our unit. 
Um, and I didn't look at him that way. I, I was telling Stacy that when I saw him, I thought, oh, he's, he's very handsome, <laughs> very fine-looking man. Um, <laughs> but I thought he was too good for me. And so um, he was very nice. Um, I was telling Stacy we had to do PT tests, that's physical training tests, and he was the person to grade my test. <laughs> so he was counting my push-ups and sit-ups. And when I did my run, he was encouraging me while I was running. Um, but it was innocent, you know. Um, and so I was dating someone. Um, I was in a bad relationship. Um, an abusive relationship, and um, I didn't know everyone in my unit knew about it, and so one day I was going to a concert, and I was dressed up, and um, Tim saw me, and so uh, I was living in the barracks. He knocked on my door, and he said, could I see you? You know, you look nice, and so I was like, okay. And um, he said, turn around. Let me see. I had a nice suit on. She had on. a nice outfit. It was It was modest. Okay. She had a nice pantsuit on, and I had normally saw her in, like, shorts, and she was into the bandetto wearing. And, and so when I saw her like that, I said, wow. Yes. So I said, you look nice in that. Innocent. Uh, uh, so anyway, um, he told me I looked nice, and then he said, uh, "You don't need anyone hitting on you." Can you say that again with the microphone a little closer, please? And so he said, um, after he said I look nice, he said, "You don't need anyone hitting on you," and um, it just Tim has a way when he speaks that it just pierces your heart, um, and it just went deep in me, and it made me think what about what he said. And so um, I really thought about it, and I, and I said he's right. Um, and it gave me the courage to walk away from that relationship um, and so you know Tim he was we just it was nothing meant by it it was just we I just, was telling her the we truth we just That's worked all. together you know it was not um, I didn't even look at him that way but then I don't know you know, I know it was the Lord. He was just working. And that's why I said God sees your heart and he, he sees you and he loves you. Because I didn't even know that I needed him. But God brought us together. You know, I lived in Tennessee. Tim lived in Virginia. And he brought us together in North Carolina to this unit together, and um, he knew that I needed to get out of that relationship. You know, I, it could have been where I could have been dead, 
it was just that bad. Um, so I'm grateful that God saw me in the midst of all that, and he worked it out where we would meet. And so we just talked, yeah. you know, and I ended up calling him. If she never called me, we would have never got married. We would have never talked. I, I was just not that guy. I was, I was, I would, people would say, hey, that girl's hitting on you. I said, what? I didn't, I was that type guy. I didn't know what was going on. So, uh, so. Yes. So I ended up um, calling him one day and we just talked. And um, we just talked. For a long time. So, Mayor, so find someone that you can talk to and that listens to you. Right. Can, can I be fair to say this here also? I wasn't ready for Rekia when I was 18, 19, and 20. I was ready for Rekia after I had went through things that scarred me and I was hurt from, you know, bad relationships myself. Same with Rekia. So when we did, you know, that moment happen, we had been developed by God to be able to minister his love to one another. And that's different. So don't take your, your, your bumps in the road as a negative. Look at it as a way of God cultivating in you what's needed so you can be the blessing he wants you to be for your, for your mate. Wow, that's good. Amen. There's so much truth in that song, God Bless the Broken Road, that led me right to you. It's for real. Rascal Flats knew what he was talking about. You know, I know for MJ and I, we both uh, were in relationships um, that kind of ended abruptly. And I remember saying, all right, God, I'm done. I've been hurt too many times, like bachelor to the rapture, you know? I don't, I don't know if I believe in the rapture, but I like how it sounded. So basically, like, I'm good, you and me. And I, I truly, like, surrendered it. And her boyfriend uh, broke up with her, really, for no reason. Like, he didn't know why he did. And we met each other. He, he like, wrote her a letter later in life saying that um, when we were already engaged. And she's like, sorry, sucka, had your chance. <laughs> um, she's, like, he's, she's like, bye, Felicia. Um, but, um, yeah, it was just like, you know, you never know when something ends and you let it go, how it can come back to you in God's timing and God's way. Two, two quick verses um, I want to share, and then I have one more question for each of you. Um, Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what I think that means is put God first. Trust that he knows your heart. He's given you those desires, and he will bring that um, to fruition in his timing and his way. Ecclesiastes 3.11 also says, God makes all things beautiful in his timing. I had to get to a point where I said, God, there's been too many girls in my life that I thought were the ones. There were some girls in my life that thought I was the one, but I didn't choose that. Uh, some people are like, well, is it all God or is it all choice? I think it's a little bit of both, Tim. I think God directs it and God leads it because we can't have love without God. There has to be that connection, but then there's a choice. There were some girls in my past that didn't choose me and, and girls that I didn't choose. But thankfully, when God brought MJ and I together, there was a peace. There was, it, was, it was like that, you ever do a puzzle and you're just trying to make the piece fit and it doesn't? But then sometimes the piece doesn't look like you might think, but it fits. And so I've learned don't put God in a box and when you least expect it, it happens. 
And so when you find a peace about trusting in him and you're seeking after him and running after him, he knows your heart. Pray for that person. Wait for that person. But also learn to be content in the season that you're in. Tim, you got something. Go ahead. I can see it on you. No, that was beautiful. I just think, you know, I'm sitting here thinking the, um, you know, in Hebrews, the hall of faith, if you want to call it that. There were people that trusted God and didn't see the end of it. I think that even in that case, you should trust God and believe and keep believing, you know. Um, So I would encourage you to do that. not saying you're not going to have a mate. I'm just simply saying be like those people, all right? And you you pursue God, the peace of God will cover you. Um, You're going to be just fine. I'm going to be honest with you. You're so much better positioned than me and Rakira was because your heart is towards God and him being the center focus. I cannot say that that was quite the way it was when we met. Um, Yes, I love God. I I, I led Rakira to the Lord. All right. But at the end of the day, the way that you're hungering after the Lord coming here on a Friday night, just trust me. We serve a good God, and just be patient. I'm sorry. And I have to say that, um, so, like, we talked a lot, um, Tim and I, and we started talking about salvation. And I thought I was saved. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm saved, you know. I grew up a Christian, right? Yeah. I yeah. said I was baptized, right? And um, and I was and, a, and, um, and Tim I was, was like... No, that's not, you're not saved, you know. And I was like, what? And I, you know, we kind of went back and forth about it. Um, and so he started showing me in the, in the scriptures, you know, what salvation was. And, and um, I was like, no, I'm saved, you know. Um, and he just kept going. He kept telling me. Um, and just... I mean, he was just really trying to show me, and um, one day God really opened my eyes, and um, he was telling me about hell, and I just started crying, and I knew that I wasn't saved, and that's how he led me to the Lord. Wow, that's so awesome. Yeah, I um, someone once told me when I was... Uh, in a relationship I shouldn't have been in before MJ, someone said, man, think about the type of mom she's going to be. I know you're really attracted to her. I know you like hanging out with her. She, she played basketball. Um, but I felt like God, uh, this guy said to me, he's like, think about when, when your daughter's 15, what kind of advice is she going to give your daughter? And it really hit me. Because, you know, we can be like, oh, I'm in love. I'm, the, you know, we just make a good team. We're, you know, having fun, blah, blah. But, like, are they really bringing the best out of you? Are they helping you become the man and the woman that you're meant to be in Christ? Do you feel like they're making you a better person? And do you want them to be the future father or daughter of your kids? Can I go off of that? Yeah. What did I say? Oh, yes. Father and mother. Thank you, Rachel. (laughs) Yeah. No, we we got you. We got you. We got you. But I think that's so true, though. Like, I think kind of going back to like how we knew, like, I knew that Josh was my husband when like in addition to everything the Lord showed me, but I was my best self around Josh. A lot of the other guys that I dated or liked, I realized it brought out 
a lot of insecurities, a lot of things that I'm like, this is not the Lord. Like, this is not who I was created to be. And I feel like with Josh, and it's just like, I feel empowered to be who God created me to be. Like, I am my best self when I'm with Josh. And I just want to encourage you guys, like, if you are with someone and you're like, man, like, this is not who I feel like I was created to be. They're not bringing out the best qualities in me. Like, they're, I really don't feel like that's the one who the Lord has for you. And it really goes back to the peace of, like, knowing. Like, I just knew. I'm like, I can be around Josh for, like, ever. Like, it's so easy. It's so easy. Like, I, because there's this peace. And, and honestly, I think Josh is his best self, too. Like, we talk about it all the time. Like, going back to the broken road, like, there are things where whenever we're, like, going through conflict, we're like, you know what? Like, if we would have gotten married before we went through this, like, God wouldn't have developed those things in me so we could handle this really well. So, anyway, just to to expound on that a little bit. Yeah, that's so good. It's something, because I know all three of you, um, they are all very different. Like, Luke's very different from Allie, Josh is very different from Stacy, and Rakia is different from Tim. But they make a great team. MJ and I are very different but we are an amazing team together. And I used to want to, I think it sounds weird, but I used to think, oh, well, I'm going to marry someone that's going to be just like me. Do you know if I married someone just like me, like our life would be a train wreck. Like, <laughs> like, like MJ anchors me. She's, she's the peace. She's, she's the calm in the storm. And I'm kind of the adventure of like, let's go, you know, and the energy. And, and I, I know from Luke and Allie from walking with them, they're like that too. You know, um, one of them are great, you know, talkers. The other one's a great listener. Um, I'll let you guess who that is for MJ and I. <laughs> um, but, you know, same thing with Stacy and Josh, and I can even see it in Tim and Rakia. So sometimes it's not the person you might think. It's not someone that maybe likes everything that you like. Maybe it's the person that compliments you. Or uh, not, not just compliments you. Um, uh, what is it? Compliments. Yes, yes. All right. See, now I'm thinking about the daughter-father comment. <laughs> um, but also... I had a comment with a friend who's been married for a year. We were in a marriage group, and, um, it, you know, just out of the pure joy of his heart, he's like, oh, my wife and I never argue. We haven't been, we even had one argument since we've been married. And I looked at him like, bro, I love you, but I'm concerned for you. <laughs> like, now, it, now, I don't want to be arguing all the time, but we're also meant to sharpen each other. If you aren't sharpening each other, it's probably because you're staying shallow or one of you is so... Uh, you're a people pleaser and you're so afraid of the other person leaving you. We're meant to be sharpening each other, molding each other and helping be helping each other be the best versions of ourselves. Um, now we don't want to go looking for fights, <laughs> right? Um, and we don't want to be fighting all the time, but also if we're not sharpening each other, you need to ask yourself, are you growing? So some of you I know might be in relationships and you're wondering, is this the one? Is this the one I'm meant to spend the rest of my life with? And I would ask yourself, are they helping you become a better person? Are they helping you? Are they leading you closer to Christ? Not just by their words, but by their actions. Are they respecting appropriate boundaries? Are they, are they being the man and the woman that you know you don't just want, but you need? Are they walking the walk and not just talking the talk? That's uh Every, t- every time someone says something like that, I'm like, that's Luke, that's Luke. Because there be, oh man, Luke, when we get into like arguments or discussions or whatever, like his first thing is like, have you talked to the Lord? Or 
if he can tell that I have a moment with the Lord, he tells me to go be with the Lord. Um, and I, I think that's like the one thing. It's like, if, you, if you're in a relationship, like do that, like call that out in each other. Like I am way, my relationship with the Lord is so much better because of that. Like, because Luke can tell when I'm looking for those things in him or I'm looking for him to say something or I'm, you know, I want him to agree, whatever it is, like I'm, I'm searching for something in Luke or I'm arguing with him just for the sake of arguing because I'm upset or whatever it is. Like what I need to do is like be with the person, like the lover of my soul. Like I need to be with Jesus. I need to be with the one who created me and work those things out because Luke, again, like I said at the beginning, like Luke is not Jesus. Um, and I need that. Like I need someone who's going to call me higher to call me to be with him. Um, and that makes me a better wife. That makes me a better friend. It makes me a better, you know, ministry person in my job. It makes me a better, you know, family member, a better daughter. Um, but yeah, like if if that person is not like, asking you if you've been with Jesus is not holding you accountable is not like in those moments like seeking for you to be with Jesus like if you think it's the right person ask him to do that and see if they hold you accountable to it can I say something um and when I when I tell Allie like you know have you spent time with the Lord about this um David strengthened himself in the Lord when he was in battle meaning David got alone with God and received strength from the Lord. And that's something that somebody had taught me early on. Um, I just watching, so my dad's ex-wife, just watching her life when she would just shut the door and just take 10 minutes to be with the Lord, um, whatever she needed, energy, just strength, or someone's bugging her. You know, if someone's bugging you at work, just take five minutes to just say, five seconds, Jesus. It You know, you don't have to be weird, but strengthen yourself in the Lord, and um, I was just going to, something that was on my heart is, you know, in the New Testament, it talks, Paul talks about marriage, and it, it's kind of like this vein of, you know, if you want to be married, do it, you know, if you, if you don't, it's better, you know, because you can be used more for the kingdom, and, and I think sometimes we get stuck in this, um, we get stuck in that because it's like, well, oh, you know, I want to, I want to do the right thing. I want to do God's perfect thing. And, and in, in Genesis, God said it's not good for man to be alone. And he made a helper for a man. And I'm telling you, I am not the same man before I met Allie. She has done things inside of me that it's another level. You know, one, I can't remember his name, but he goes to Middleburg. He, he looked at me and he said, she's going to take you up to another level. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who? It's, it's all right. Uh, yeah. Anyways. She makes you better, man. She makes me so much better. Yeah. And when we get in arguments, she, I'm telling you, she is, you think I'm a good listener and I'm steady and everything, which I am. Like, that's the Lord. It's a piece of the Lord. But I get to where I'm just, like, kind of frustrated and and I, like... I get to where like I want to pick a fight in a sense, even though we're already fighting, and and I'm and she'll just start. Her heart is so good for me. I feel like. I feel like her heart heals mom wounds in me, you know, because her heart is so good towards me. She, she gets these little. Um, habits from her family where she like, she'll tell you she'll like, kind of get 
we'll get in fights because of it, but her heart is so good towards me that when she starts, when she starts tearing up saying, I don't want to fight, it just like does something inside of me that it's like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. You know? So find a wife. Um, Bishop, Bishop T.D. Jake said this. Or a husband if you're a female. I'm talking to the men. No, <laughs> Bishop T.D. Jakes, he, I can't remember the Bible verse, but he said, God, he was basically saying God brings you a wife, somebody who's already ready to be a wife. So if you want to get married, get ready. That means watch teachings about it every single day. I watch teachings about marriage every single day for the last, I don't even know, six, seven months before Allie and even during our engagement. Study... <laughs> Somebody who mentors me said, study your wife. Know what size shirt she wears, what size shoes she wears, what kind of shoes she likes. All those things, just little, I'm trying to give you guys tidbits, but (laughs) study your wife. Know what she likes. Know what makes her happy. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, I got one question, and then we're going to, I have one last question for all of you. Stacey and Josh, big question here. Why is it wrong or why is it, I don't want to say wrong, it is wrong. Um, why does it hurt us having sex before marriage? And if you have had sex before marriage, how can God redeem that when you are married? So boundaries, healthy boundaries are necessary to grow a healthy relationship when you're dating. I know we look, I know we look at them as being restrictive But Proverbs says to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the wellspring of life. And if you're not guarding your heart, then your life will be more difficult or or tainted. Really, that's what the Proverbs says. You know, if you're not guarding your heart, it can become tainted. And if you rush into physical intimacy before your heart is ready, then it's just there's like then it's tainted. I'm not saying this to shame anyone because there's there's grace, there's mercy but it's not the way God designed it. And by having healthy boundaries in place, by you know, abstaining from premarital sex, your relationship grows in the way it was meant to. Uh, you know, Stacy and I really kissed, I think, once in the first three or four months we dated. And because of that, like, we grew so close together emotionally that our relationship is so much stronger for it now. Um, I think you want to ask? Yeah, um, I think... You know, sometimes people think like, oh, like no sex before marriage. Like I know like the world looks down upon that. Um, but the reality is I think saving that for marriage, like it really is a unifying thing and it really brings you to be one. Um, but for those like, and there there were times that like I went too far too before, not necessarily with Josh, but I, it was something where I had to take it to Jesus and I was like, Jesus, like, because I had a fear that I would bring that into marriage and that that would hurt that. But the reality is Jesus is so good. And I just want to encourage you guys, like, even if you've gone too far or, you know, if you're like, well, I've already done it. Let's just keep doing it because what's the point that Jesus, like, he loves you first off. He loves you so much. And he's redeeming that. And also, I think purity, it doesn't only just honor the person you're with, it also honors him and his heart. And I feel like the more pure that Josh and I were in our relationship, it made um, our marriage like so much better. 
And I think it was because we did wait, even though there were some things I had to be redeemed for, like it is amazing and wonderful. And I think it's just like putting sex in like the healthy spot where it should be. Because I think sometimes too in the church with purity culture, we tend to think, oh, it's either like, it's like sex is either on, like, like on one end you have sex is bad, it's inappropriate, like we should be so pure to the point where like, ah, and the other point, it's the world's version of sex. And the reality is like, I heard someone recently say like, the world should not be having better sex than Christians. Hopefully I can say that, that's okay. Here we are. But the thing though is, that we have to find a middle ground. Like, sex is beautiful. It is created by the Lord. If you look in the Song of Solomon, like, it's wonderful. I feel like I'm going on a long tangent. But it's, it is beautiful. It is great. But it it has to be in its right place. And it's so it's so intimate, too. Like, having like having sex with your spouse, it is, like, you're, you're being so known and seen by them on such a deep soul level. It's so much more than, I think, what the world makes it out to be. Um, so definitely I encourage you guys to save it for marriage. Um, but, and if you haven't, it's okay. It's not too late. It, you are, you are, you are not tarnished. You are not rejected. You are not, um, you are not impure because the reality is like the Holy Spirit and Jesus, like they redeem you. And that is bigger than anything that the accuser may say about you or your worth, especially for women, there were times when I went too far and I remember talking to past boyfriends about it and like, oh, well, you're just like dirty now. Like you're just, it's your fault. And I'm like, and the thing is Jesus had to rewire that in my brain. And so I just want to encourage you guys, all of you, like it's not too late. The Lord loves you and he is redeeming that. Is it okay? Go ahead, ahead, Tim. So so I, I need to go in, but first of all, I want to make sure you're done. Can I clarify one thing yes, real quick? Yes, Just to kind of share a little bit of our story. Like we started, it was probably like the third or fourth date, like where we started kissing. And then you came to me just like a couple days after and you was like, like, Josh, like I don't, I don't feel safe. Like I don't feel comfortable. Like this is, this is too much for my heart. And then, you know, I had a choice to make in that, in that moment. And I basically told Stacy, like, hey, well, I'm, I'm after your heart. I'm not after your body. Wow, that's So good. like I took a step back. We took a step back. And it wasn't, I think, until, like, that would have been, like, I think, late March. And it wasn't until, like, late June, maybe even early July, uh, when we started kissing again. But then, like, when we did, it was like we had grown together so much emotionally that it didn't feel like we were crossing any boundaries. It was like your physical intimacy and your emotional intimacy are meant to grow together. But because of the way we are as humans, a lot of times the physical intimacy is trying to rush ahead. And when the physical intimacy rushes ahead of the emotional intimacy, you get into error and whether you, you know, recognize or not, then that's when things start to feel kind of icky. And so that's why we talk about boundaries is so you want to have your heart leading the body so you don't fall into those traps. And that's what we had to do. We went too far and then had to take a step back and we're much better off for it. Yeah, that's good. Go ahead, Tim. Okay, so I'm going to help out hopefully a bunch of you in here. All right. I'm serious. This is this is me being uh, get your notepad out. This is me talking about my scars to help hopefully somebody in this room. If it's just one person, it's an awesome thing. See, we just talked about not having sex before marriage. But 
you don't want to look at pornography before marriage. You don't want to go to masturbation before marriage. All of those different things. Because when that happens, and, and I, I'm glad you talked about the nice part of it, but let me tell you about the, the, the not so nice part of it. it um, there is, when, when, when people have sex before marriage or when they dabble in pornography or masturbation or whatever it may be, right? When those things happen, um, it, it's no longer a sin. It turns into a transgression over time. And um, what, what can happen is that when you're with your mate, the enemy will try to attack you about old ways of thinking. God has to write that. And the blood of Jesus nullifies all of that. But there were years um, in my life that I struggled that way because, you know, being introduced to pornography by my dad, you know, though it was cool to give you a, a book and look at it, right? But all of that stuff was in my head. And so when, when you come into union, and I'm just, I'm painting a clear picture here because when you, when you, you meet that person, all right, and you become one, you want that to be a glorious thing in the bedroom, all right? But because of this stuff that we've allowed to get in, whether it's through those three, because those are the three the enemy comes at us with, all right? When that happens, um, it takes a while. It takes surrendering to God to be clean and, and where you can see your mate in a way that brings honor to God and brings honor to her um, or him, right? Um, so I, I would challenge you, don't make it about just sex. Um, understand pornography is no good. Understand that masturbation is no good. Those all, the, the, Jesus says, if you, if you, if you, you have sex with a lady in your mind, you, you, you what? You've committed to what? Adultery, right? So it's not just the physical act. Um, and so... Um, but what I will tell you is, this was before I met Rikia. God delivered me from a lot of stuff, pornography, uh, masturbation, all of those different things that were um, kind of prevalent where I grew up at. And then, you know, promiscuous sex. Um, but when I had met Rikia, he had, he'd rid me of it, but I went through a deliverance. I told you about this. Um, I spoke about this last Sunday. I was delivered from a, a spirit of masturbation and all of that stuff. It came out. This lady here was the God's vessel that, that actually brought the deliverance through. And I remember a spirit leaving my body, exiting my home. And I'm telling you, the enemy won't tell you the ugly side of that. Well, that's the ugly side. But there is this power in the blood of Jesus that nullifies all of that. And so don't, there's just not no time for guilt or shame. It's me telling you that I went through that and, 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 and God delivered me and set me free from all of that. He took that desire from all of that nonsense away from me. And when I got into relationship with Rakia, my mind was pure. It was like I had never done anything. It was as if I was a virgin. And that was God. And he can do the same thing for anybody in this room. Amen. And, and, I, and I will say this too, and this is the last part I want to mention about it. When you get married, and even for the ones that are married now, 
The quicker you understand that it's not you that's pleasing your mate, the better off you will be. It is God working through us to be a blessing to our spouse. A lot of men get hung up on that. Trust me, you're not macho enough. You're not, you're not all that enough. It takes the anointing of God for you as a husband to minister the love that God intended for you to minister as husband. And the same for wife. And when you go into a time of intimacy, and which is something God caused me and Rakia to understand. I told Rakia to brace herself for all of this stuff earlier. But <laughs> what, what God, God helped us see, it was not because we're super spiritual, spiritual and headed all together. But we, we, we see union and intimacy um, in, the, in the bedroom as an act of worship to God. Don't lose sight of that. Let me explain. God is the one who's anointing you to please one another. All right? I, we, we celebrate that with God. I'm, I'm sharing the little details here because then I, we, we, we always, even, you know, after everything, you know, has commenced, we, we worship God and say, Father, we thank you for you, the, the, the God of all good, goodness, Right? Um, all good things come from you, Father God. And it's you that bless me and Rakia to be faithful to one another. It's you that keeps our bed clean, pure, holy, and undefiled. And it's you, Father, that has anointed us, Father God, to fulfill one another as husband and wife. And we give you praise and we lift our hands up to him. Um, you're acknowledging the source of all things good. It's God. It's not me that's doing anything for Rikia. It's God in me, working out in me, anointing me and empowering me to know my wife and doing the same for Rikia. That's different than the world could ever experience apart from God. And it's, and it's truly this blissful place that God has ordained for all of us to experience in the marriage union. And it all comes back to him. He anoints me to be all I need to be for Rakia. And he anoints Rakia to be all that she needs to be for me. And apart from him, we're nothing. That's the beauty of marriage. That's the beauty of deliverance from those things that I talked about too. And this beautiful sacred place that the enemy cannot come in. It's a God time. All right, enough said. That's great, man. That's great. All right. Yeah, let's give it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the worship team back up, but uh, I want to end with one question um, for each of you. If you could go back in time to when you guys were single, what advice would you give yourself? Yeah, I'd like to I've hear. I've already shared what I would tell you. I just told you. All right, all right. Yeah. Sounds good. Take your time. It's mm, good, Josh. The time, the time you spend as single is the best time you have to prepare for being married. Like, I really feel like our relationship has actually been pretty easy in large part because I spent so much time learning how to take care of a woman's heart when I was single and spent so much time learning, okay, this is how God loves me, so this is how I'm going to love my future spouse. I spent so much time in those trials and tribulations I spent so much time working on inner healing, too, that when 
we entered into marriage, I mean, yeah, we've had like a couple arguments, but I feel like in, in a lot of ways, like when you've like brought your mess forward or I've brought my mess forward, it's just like, oh, all right, we know how to deal with this. this. This isn't like, this is nothing. Like we know how to deal with this. It's not bad at all. So, I mean, those would be probably the two biggest things I would say is, you know, take your time. Don't rush into it. And one of the things to keep in mind, too, is, like, take care of your mess when you're single. Yeah. Because whatever mess you do not take care of, it's going to fall on the shoulders of your spouse. And you don't want that. Because your spouse was never meant to carry that burden. Like, she can help minister to you, but it's not her burden to carry. It's between you and the Lord. So take care of your mess and learn to love. Um, yeah. Um, I think along with take your time, I think if I could tell myself one thing, it would be to stop looking at every single eligible bachelor as my future husband. I, uh, I know it sounds silly, but I look back and I'm like, there were so many times I missed with the Lord or I missed... Um, just building friendships with people who, where I was constantly thinking, are you my husband? And are you my husband? I bet he's my husband. And the reality is like, I felt like I just needed to wait and trust because the Lord brought him anyway. And guess what? He was none of those guys because Josh and I never, never even ran into each other before we got set up. Um, and I think along with that, just taking more time to know yourself and know the Lord um, it was because of my time with the Lord that prepared my heart to be with Josh. And I think going into marriage, I knew a lot of my triggers because there are triggers and there are things that when you get into marriage, I think people think, oh, it'll just go away. And no, they actually get magnified. They get magnified and they don't just affect you. They affect your spouse. And, but I think because I did that work, whenever Josh and I get into arguments now, we typically stop and we're like, what is the root of what's going on? Oh, it's that insecurity. Or, oh, it's a fear of rejection in this. Or, oh, okay. And a lot of that is Holy Spirit wisdom. But, um, yeah, take your time. That's good. When you're done, you can just hand your mic back to the singers. R- oh, wow. Rakia, do you have anything you'd like to does add? Your, does this mic go to you? <laughs> nice. Um, I, I just, I really... You know, I think about, I wish that I was saved. Um, I wish I had accepted Christ sooner. But uh, I can't, I mean, I'm thankful that my, my husband led me to the Lord. So I don't think I would change anything. I think that um, God is, is using everything that happened in my life for his good and for his glory timing that I got saved was his perfect timing so I, I, I wouldn't change anything awesome. alright Luke and Allie I know you weren't uh, it wasn't that long ago when you were single but you go back in time what would you tell yourselves um I had something and then I forgot it but I, I think I remember it now um just to build a history with Jesus um, to let him build a foundation of identity in me. Um, there's a lot of things that um, going into it, just like insecurities and so many things that it's like, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have let Jesus have the foundation in this. I wish I wouldn't um, constantly 
be seeking, Luke, do you think I look pretty? Like I did this literally today. Like I was like, I don't like the way these jeans look and just like, just stupid stuff. Um, that doesn't matter, but um, just let Jesus love on me and, and let Jesus tell me who I am. Um, to, yeah, just to let him romance me, to let him tell me how much he loves me. Um, to, to believe the things he says about me, to spend time and to sit with him. And, and it's not too late. Like if you're in a relationship and you're like, these are things I'm struggling with, it's not too late. But to sit, to sit down with him um, and, and say, Lord, I'm not getting up until I believe these things about myself. Um, I wish I would have spent more time doing that because I don't think that you realize when you get in a relationship um, those insecurities, those things, like they do get magnified and it's so easy for me to seek those things in Luke and it's like, man, I wish when I was single, I wish someone would have told me that that these things follow you, you know? Um, but yeah, I would, if you're single or if I was you, to go back, I would I would just build a history with Jesus um, and that I would, I would sit with him and I do it still now, but just to know, just to know that I'm the beloved um, and that he loves me and that my marital status or my relationship status doesn't change that. Um, yeah. Well, uh, to be honest, I don't even know if I would change anything because it got me here and I'm happy about that. And, um, and I've, the, the process was not perfect, and I'm still not perfect. So does, so when I say I wouldn't change anything, it's not because I had it all together at all, as I shared earlier. Um, but I'm here, you know. The thing that I would say to you guys, to get ready for marriage or dating, get ready for life, is to go after humility I, I prayed a prayer that a minister that I listened to would encourage people to pray but he actually warned them before he told them to pray it he said if you're willing to go through a roller coaster ask God to humble you ask him to show you what's him and what's you meaning your abilities everything and the truth is that None of it is us. Every ability we have, every gift, it, everything came from Him. You know? And uh, when we're humble, we can be promoted and exalted and, and actually steward the things that God gives us. Like, Ali is my gift. And uh, if I'm not humble, you can lose your gift if you're not humble. So I would encourage you, humble yourself. Ask God to show you what is you, if you're willing. And let me tell you, it's not a fun process because it doesn't happen overnight. God will put you in situations where you need to humble yourself. I still need to humble myself all the time, but I'm telling you, it gets easier. When you pray that God will put you in situations where everybody is blaming something on you that didn't happen, that you didn't do, are you going to defend yourself? Are you going to say no? I didn't. That wasn't me. That was this. Or are you going to say yes, ma'am? 
yes sir I'll do better even though you didn't do it and that that was part of my process so I would say humble yourself it's good awesome can we give it up for these three awesome couples my couch and chair team if you guys want to take those off stage it'd be appreciated thank you guys so much you know it says um in the word that God is love and that we love because he first loved us. And uh, I think a theme that I heard over and over again was get that love first from God. Because if you don't have that love first from God and second, if you don't have that love for yourself, someone else can't fill that up. When I was single, I would be looking I don't know if other guys are like this, but I was like, oh, is that girl my wife? Is that girl my wife? And I never uh, grew up in a family where my mom and dad were together. So for me, my whole life, I wanted to be married. But I realized uh, God made me wait till I was 33 because if I would have got married before then, it would have become, it would become an idol in my life because I was looking for something other than God to complete me. Even a good thing, even a great thing. Even today when there's friction between MJ and I, I, we both have to ask ourselves, are we looking to each other for what we need or are we getting that from God? Our wives and husbands will, will minister and help, but God is the source. And so wherever you're at right now in life, whether you're single, whether you're dating someone, whether you're married, we wanna pray for you. There's gonna be leaders up here Leaders, you can come up front. Tim and Rakia, come up front. And if you want prayer, we want to pray for you. We don't want you to leave this place. I know it's way later than we normally go, but we don't want you to leave this place without getting prayer. And I also just want to speak hope to people. I just saw a movie called Redeeming Love. It's in the theaters. Um, there are some parts in the movie that's uh, a little spicy. Um, <laughs> But uh, the heartbeat of the movie is very inspiring. That no matter what you've been through, God can redeem anything because his love is redeeming. And so we want to end tonight singing about how he loves us. Because this is what it all comes back to. That first love that created us, that made us, that saw us, and that redeems us. And if you don't know that love tonight, that love that changes you from the inside out, I pray that you will not leave this place without saying, God, change me. And if the only reason you're asking him to change you because you wanna be married one day and you wanna be in a wife and a husband one day, okay, let that be your motivation. But come to him and let him make you the man or the woman he created you to be. And know that he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And nothing you have done or will do could ever change that. And it's his love that brings you back home. It's his love that meets you when you're high and drunk on the ground and says, I have better for you, son. I see the future husband you're, that you're gonna be. So will you stand with me? Can you close your eyes? As we go into this song, if you feel it on your heart that you want prayer,
just come up to one of these people. Come up to one of these couples and let them pray for you. But wherever you're at, as we sing about how we love God, hear His voice saying that He loves you. God, I thank you that you love us because you love us because you love us. No matter how many people we've slept with, no matter what we've done, you say that you can redeem us, that you see us, that you believe in us. A good father never gives up on their kids, no matter how lost their kids are. And you never give up on us. You've never given up on me. I thank you that as Ali said, you see us and you love us. And because you love us, you redeem us. So remind us of that tonight. Thank you that we can love because you first loved us. Thanks for kicking it with us today. The Move Podcast. If you love the message, we've got more episodes on the way. If you're looking for more ways to get involved, meet us in person the first Friday of every month at our Bethel Cleveland Brunswick campus. Cleveland, Ohio. Also, for more information, follow us on social media at Bethel C-L-E-Y-A. C-L-E-Y-A. to stay updated with our latest events, young adult worship nights, and more. Or check out our website, BethelCleveland.com slash Young Adults.